Hello everyone, I am Mirta Hurtado Rivas. No VIPs or rock stars, just simple people sharing their life stories to trigger discussions around important topics or simply to inspire us to embrace challenges ourselves. Welcome to Leaderching. Hello everyone and welcome to another episode of Leaderching. I'm very excited because my guest today is Habib Hassan. He is the president of the Turkish Patent and Trademark Office. Habib, how are you? Hello, Mirta. Thank you. How are you doing? I'm very good. Thanks for being my guest today. Thanks for inviting. Thank you very much. You're so welcome. And I'm particularly happy because you're actually um, guest from Turkey, which is a country that I had the chance actually to visit several times uh, that I really like very much, not only because of its uh, excellent cuisine, but also because of the people there and their culture. So I'm I'm very happy to kick off this kind of, uh, you know, having someone from Turkey being, being with me. Thank you. Thank you very much. Also, I wish you every success with this new initiative. And I think uh, you will be very, very, it will be very, very good, you know, project. Thank you so much, Abib for your kind wishes. So let me dive directly um, into our first question. Um, today, you are the president of Turkish Patent and Trademark Office. That's well known to, to, to us. But um, could you share with us what you dreamed of becoming when you were a child? Sure. Uh, thank you very much. Before I uh, give answer to this question, would you mind to, if, if you allow me, just uh, I want to give you my, where I was born and uh, my childhood a little bit. I'm from the, yeah, I'm from the Trabzon uh, city. It's on the Black Sea coast near Georgia. Uh, and I was born in a village of this, uh, this city. And uh, when I, my childhood, it was uh, like early 70s, and there was no electricity in my village. So I went to school, uh, elementary school to my, this, this village. And uh, so let me come to your question. Maybe uh, I will give some more information regarding my childhood. So I wanted uh, or I dreamed to be a civil engineer and uh, construct uh, like buildings and bridges. So it was my dream uh, job when I was uh, like uh, when I was going to elementary school. Mm -hmm. So um, it sounds like um, you you had this idea of becoming a civil engineer, but where do you think this idea came from? Was your environment kind of influencing your choice, or was it something that you had seen in your family? Yeah, actually, the, my 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 father and my mother, first of all, they didn't go to school, and my my father learned how to read and write by himself. But my mother, she was illiterate and she wasn't uh, she didn't know how to read and write. And uh, my father was a, a cons uh, construction worker, uh, and then he went to Germany uh, as as a worker. Uh, at the beginning of the uh, 70s, when I was in, in elementary school. And in these days, in the 70s, the construction business was, was very dynamic in Turkey. 
And uh, everybody was working in the construction. And my father, uh, when he used to come to Turkey for vacation from Germany, he was always uh, talking about the, you know, about the construction and how he, what he was doing with the engineers and civil engineers and what he was doing, uh, the dialogue with them. So it was, I think, one of the main reasons that that time uh, I uh, this this was my my dream to be a civil engineer. That's so interesting, and and it um, it's fascinating to hear about um, your childhood. If if you don't mind, I'm wondering because um, sure. I had also um, personally experienced when I was um, not living together with my father during my childhood from for some time, and um, it was kind of um, on, on on one hand it was uh, like uh, when he was home it was like very exciting and you know there was a lot of storytelling and a lot of sharing, but obviously sometimes the fact that he wasn't always with us with uh, my sister and my mother w wasn't always this easy. I, if you don't mind, how was it um, for you during your childhood knowing that your father was in Germany? Uh, of course, it was uh, it was not easy. And uh, my, my mother with my uh, three sisters, I was the youngest and these three of, we are four, four children. She was uh, taking care of us in the village. And uh, like we had some farming, like tea farming, tea plantation and also some hazelnut farming. So my father used to come uh, like 15 days, maximum one month per year. And this was for a long time, like over uh, like 25 years. And all this time, of course, in this period I went to, we will talk about the high school university, but my mother was always with, with in the village. And then this was our uh, kind of uh, part of our culture. To the to take care of to take care of uh, you know uh, children uh, in the village and then uh, men has to go to you know uh, I mean earn the money and send back so it was uh, not easy and we I re I remember uh, we homesick my my father always when I was of course very small and uh, so uh, as you said it was not uh, it was very very it is very unique experience. And again, as I said, there was no electricity in the village at that time in, in that part of the Turkey. And uh, I remember when I was going to elementary, I mean, uh, primary school, I was doing my homeworks under uh, under the, there was gas lamps uh, and uh, mm -hmm. we were using these lamps. And then... Um, uh, so uh, it was it was very of course uh, difficult times for for my for me and for my family. I fully understand. Thanks so much for um, sharing this so openly. Sure. You just mentioned that um, you know obviously this was one part of your childhood, but then you continued studying, right? Which which for your family was something very special as well, right? So how did you then progress, you know, high school and then later on your further education? Thank you very much. So uh, I went to elementary school uh, or primary school, whatever you call it, in my village. And uh, uh, my three sisters, uh, my the oldest one, she went there on just only uh, two years and she were not able to graduate because she had to help my mother. But the other two sisters, they were able to graduate from the elementary school. It was five years at that time. So I was the only one in the family who, who uh, progressed or proceed after elementary school. 
I went to secondary school. Uh, it was uh, 10 kilometer, uh, from, kilometers from my hometown, my, my village. And I used to walk there every day. So uh, in two ways, it was 10 kilometers uh, each day. And this was three years. And uh, during the winter, I, I remember uh, we, they, there used to be too much snow in that part of the Turkey. So it was very, very difficult. So after this three years, three years, very difficult. And then um, I talked with my, uh, there was uh, a friend of mine and he was going to high school in Istanbul. And I said to my uh, father, I want to go to high school. It, high school is uh, three years in Istanbul. And then at first he didn't accept it and he said, okay, it will be very difficult for you. And so, but, but late uh, after that, he accepted uh, that. And then I went uh, to uh, high school in Istanbul. There is uh, one of the best high school. It's called Kabadash uh, High School. It was a boarding house. So I lived in, do uh, in dormitory in, in the, in the, in the, in uh, three years there. But it was a big uh, shock for me because I went from a small town, from small actually village to Istanbul, and mm -hmm. there, I, 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 there was a cultural uh, actually differences between them. And to adapt for me, it was not easy, and it, it took more than one year. But hopefully after that, uh, you know, I got used to it, and then I, I was one of the good students in the class. And after I graduated, uh, I uh, there was an ex uh, examination for uh, university entrance examination in the competitive base, and uh, I took that exam, and then I was uh, accepted in one of the very good universities in Turkey, it's Middle East Technical University in Ankara, in civil engineering department. So <laughs> then it was my, it was my dream, uh, actually, as you asked me before. But then what, ha what happened was during these days, uh, Turkey, it, it was early 80s. We had some, uh, because of this Cold War, we had some, uh, some problems some, uh, be be between the youth, uh, some leftist and rightist, you know, movements. And sometimes it was very, even some people kill, were killing some, some other, you know, people. And mm -hmm. my, my, my father said, uh, told me that, okay, it, it's very dangerous. You should come to some, you know, other university close to us. It's more safe. And there is another university in, in Trabzon. And then uh, in these days, mechanical engineering started to be more, uh, you know, famous. And then uh, after uh, I saw this, you know, movement to, towards mechanical engineering, I, I changed my subject. So I chose mechanical engineering and uh, I graduated uh, from uh, mechanical engineering in 1985. And then uh, I went to States to study for my master's and uh, PhD in mechanical engineering. Excellent. Um, thank you so much for sharing that. Um, I have one question, sure. Habib. You have mentioned twice difficult situations. Once, um, and I think to me, and I think probably to everyone listening, um, you know, when you had to face these walks in the cold, in the snow, during winter, you know, for 10 kilometers walking, and then later on when you were like kind of having this big change also at a cultural level when you go to Istanbul, what is it that kind of drove you? What inspired you to continue, you know, to face these challenges and not to give up? 
Uh, actually, it's a very good question. In this uh, part of Turkey, in my village, uh, it is uh, it is very, it's not flat place, and the farming places are very limited. And uh, the only thing you can survive for the for for uh, when you grow up for for your family, you should go to school or you should go to Germany or like Switzerland or or France to, to as a worker. And this was uh, kind of uh, in my genes, uh, you know, when I was very small. And I, I knew that when I was going to that 10 kilometers per day for my, sec uh, my secondary school, I didn't have any chance to get out of this village. And the, the farming area, again, it was very, very, you know, uh, limited area. You cannot make enough money for, from that farming. And so it was my the main motivation uh, that uh, I went. I convinced my uh, my father to go to Istanbul and to get uh, better uh, high school education, and then I can be accepted in the university exam. So basically, it was that that uh, my uh, in my village uh, you cannot uh, earn your 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 life. I understand. And I think that's uh, what drives a lot of people, even our days, right, from in, in many areas of uh, the world, and not only in Turkey, but other other areas as well. Um, I was now you have, um, you know, you told us um, that then you have been to the US and I know that you have a, a long standing, very successful career already behind you and ahead of you. But I was wondering, you know, you are um, a leader, you are a manager in your current position, and I'm sure that you have been managed and have had leaders that have also, you know, told you things um, that you have um, come to know during your career. I was wondering if you could share with our listeners what, in your view, is the characteristics that a good leader should have. Uh, uh, thank you. Uh, actually, I have. Uh, I am. Uh, my education, as I said, it was an engineering education. I have not uh, taken or uh, go to school for that kind of uh, like business administration. That you can get some uh, theoretical uh, knowledge uh, regarding management or would be, be a good uh, manager. But when I uh, came back to Turkey, I was teaching in the university as a professor uh, till uh, 2007. And during this time, I uh, had some like, uh, like I was deputy dean of graduate school and some other, uh, the chair of the research center. And during these times, I learned how to be a good manager from, from, from the, not from the theoretical knowledge, but, but just uh, living it in it. And uh, of course, after that, when I now I am the president of the Turkish Patent uh, Institution more than uh, 12 years. And so to reply to your question, of course, there is no one answer that, but I can give you some uh, different, you know, uh, maybe points uh, to be a good manager. Uh, first of all, uh, in my experience, uh, you should be democratic and uh, you should be fair with your uh, team with your, the people mm -hmm. you are working. And uh, the most important uh, is to create a, a competitive environment, which means that the people who can uh, work uh, and do their work uh, good, they should get uh, some kind of uh, price uh, out of it. So I think mm -hmm. my whole career I, as a manager, I was able to do it. And uh, also empathy uh, is very, very important. And uh, uh, also the integrity, in, maybe the most important is the integrity and uh, be able 
the people that you work, they should trust you, what you say and what you do. You should be very honest in that respect. And uh, of course, to choose the right people is also very, very important. I want to give you one very good example with this one. When I was uh, uh, when I was appointed as a president of the Turk Patent in in, in uh, 2008, uh, I talked with the minister and I told him that, of course, there were different there are different divisions in in my institution, but there are four uh, core divisions. This is the patent uh, designs, uh, trademarks, and GI divisions. There are like human resources and there are some uh, accounting divisions. They are not. They are also important. But for these four, uh, this, for these four uh, core divisions, I, I asked uh, to my uh, minister, please uh, give me the right to choose these directors here by myself. The rest you can. If you sometimes in Turkey it's very common to, to sometimes the minister can also uh, suggest you some names, some political. Mm-hmm. But for these four, it was the first in our uh, history of uh, Turk patent. For these four positions, I choose examiners, the senior examiners. They can, uh, you know, teach, can, can, they can speak a different languages. They are very well educated, and they are coming from the from the bottom. And it was mm-hmm. the first time in the history of uh, Turk patent because before me, all these positions were f- filled with uh, people from outside, and. When I did was, uh, and of course, uh, I, I tried to choose the best ones. And then even right now, one of them is my my vice president, uh, Jamil Bashpinar. He used to be that time examiner. Now he's my my vice president. Maybe he will be in my place. This <laughs> motivated the staff a lot. And they saw the first time they cannot, uh, they, they don't have to retire as a patent examiners. They can be director of the division. They can be even president of the division, I think in that respect, it was a very success, successful uh, you know, strategy. So uh, to, to maybe to, to reply, uh, to, sum, to sum up this, uh, this question, uh, to be uh, one of the team, uh, not as a manager, but one of the team uh, member, and to, to do it in genuine event is very, very important. When I start the project in my, in my institution, Sometimes even uh, if they are not uh, sure that they cannot do it, I can sit on the computer and I start with the examiner to do it. When we were appointed as an ISA authority, and I said that we are going to apply for this one, nobody believed that we can do it. And uh, they said mm-hmm. to prepare PCT report is not very easy. And I sit down at an examiner with the examiners and a couple of weeks we prepared PCT report together. So. I was like your program, uh, the name of your program, like leadership. So sometimes I'm a leader, sometimes I'm a coach. So I think <laughs> that balance is very, very important. And I think I was successful to do that. Thank you so much for your very you know, clear explanation. I really like, um, there is four elements that you have mentioned. And I think the first one was, you know, creating the competitive environment where one essential part is obviously recognition, right? That's exactly. that's how you've chose the example you gave about the directors. I think the other um, keyword that you mentioned was empathy, right? Empathy is probably um, very important. Our days, even where many of us need to work um, from distance, um, I think empathy is also very important to continue to actually understand our team members. Then you mentioned something 
that very often is forgo forgotten or at least it's mentioned, but it's not very clear sometimes to people what it means. And it's integrity, right? And I think integrity is really, as you mentioned, is really is walk your talk, right? What you say is what you do and you're authentic and transparent in the ways you do it. And the last really item that, that really has um, now, you know, has caught my attention is really the fact that very often one of the most important things you can do is create opportunities for your staff, right? And that's what you did by appointing internal staff, by showing that there is opportunities uh, within the institution that you lead for everyone who, who wants to achieve something, right? And I think that's a true insp inspiration. When you see that happening, then uh, probably, you know, a younger staff or staff that is junior certainly has um, sees this role model and says, well, the other person did it, so why couldn't I do it? I think this is very, very inspiring. Thank you so much. So my next question um, goes a little bit in a different direction, but I think it's very much related to what you just shared with us. Um, one of my um, passions or what Leader Ching is also trying to kind of continue to support is the question about gender. Right, women um, having access um, to the same opportunities as men, and I wanted just to know, you know, what are your thoughts around gender equality? Uh, thank you very much, because this is very, very important question for me. Uh, and uh, as you, as if you remember, or uh, as I shared with you, I had, uh, I have three sisters, and I am, I, I, I am the youngest one, and I am the only one in the family who, who. I was able to, I mean, proceed with my secondary school and university. And the rest of three of my sisters, they are uh, just after, even one of them, were not, were, she was not able to graduate from the elementary school, but the other two just graduated and that's it. They were not able to go to school because they had to help my mother in the village for farming and they, my mother need them. And so I always uh, think about it, even for today, and I see their life, they are also doing fine, but still, because they, they did not get enough education, it always hurt me a lot. And I was the lucky one in the, in the family. And then, so uh, I think that is a big problem uh, everywhere in Turkey, in, in most of the, all the European countries, even if, if we have enough legislation there, in practice, cultural problems, we have it everywhere. And uh, another uh, maybe information I want to share with you, this is maybe even you don't know this one. My wife, uh, she's a politician and uh, actually the, she was a member of parliament uh, four years. And then she acted as, uh, she was also deputy minister of the family and social policies. So she's one of the activists in this gender equality in Turkey, a very well known one. And that's why I was very lucky. I was trained by her. That's why in my um, in my institution in Turk Patent, the staff is almost 50-50, the total staff, uh, males and females. And I tried to also always uh, appoint uh, uh, like directors uh, as, as many as I can. I was not able to solve the problem, but I am very sensitive to that issue. So it is uh, in my always in my priority. So maybe you may know about there is an Istanbul Convention regarding this uh, violence against women. Uh, this is the mm -hmm. European Council, uh, you know, uh, convention resolution. So it, that uh, Turkey signed that one in 2011, and that time my wife was uh, deputy deputy minister of family. And then 
even for time for for today for time being she was elected in European Council as there's Gravio it's called expert on this subject and they uh, she go and uh, I mean uh, uh, examine or prepare report for different countries in Europe about like human I mean the violence against women which is very related actually but it is not the gender equality so I believe this problem it is everywhere I have two daughters and I know sometimes how they are being treated unfairly even our legislations uh, are in place but uh, this this does not solve this uh, cultural problems we are facing today i read an article uh, and uh, by chance and it said uh, that for uh, for women to get uh, financially the same level uh, with with uh, with uh, men and women it will take uh, around 200 years even Yes. Even if if we try to to solve that problem, so it's a big issue, and I'm very aware of that problem because of my wife, and I'm uh, I try to always uh, help uh, to to solve this problem, not but not easy to to solve it, and uh, so uh, thank you thank you very much for asking me this question. It's very important for me. Um, thank you so much, Habib, for for sharing and 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 congratulations to your wife for for being such a good role model for the next generations of women that are growing up now. I think it's extremely important to have women take this type of positions and roles and also advocate. And you are right, the 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 topic of violence against women is very, very, very uh, closely related to to gender equality. And I would like to highlight one statement that you just made and and which resonates a lot with me. The first thing is that this problem exists um, in all countries. And I think it's really important to um, remember that there is um, at least up to date, not a country where we can really say that gender equality has fully been implemented and achieved. And, and hence, it's up to, to everyone to continue to strive and to continue to support this topic and to find better solution. And the other thing I think which is also very important is you stated something that has always um, kind of, um, you know, caught my attention. In most of the countries, not in all, but in many of the countries, um, at least in, in our region, Europe, um, Turkey and so on, legislation is up to date. We have achieved on paper, um, you know, in most countries, um, gender equality. Uh, we're still working in some, you know, some details maybe like equal pay and so on. But there is already, already the legislative framework. As you correctly mentioned, this is not only a question of law, a question of mindset, right? This is a question of culture. And probably we need to continue, you know, to invest our time and to teach our children and share with our associates and with our staff and with our friends and family, how important it is to continue to have this as a priority in our minds, right? Not to, not to forget it. And yeah. I think it's um, very good to hear from you that you are actively contributing to this very important topic. So thanks so much for sharing this. And by the way, I didn't know, I wasn't aware of your, of your wife's um, career. So uh, this is uh, also new to me. So this is really good that we are talking about this. Um, we are getting to the end of our conversation and you have shared so many interesting things today. Um, I'm wondering, one question that I like, like to ask my guests is, if you could go back 
to the past when you were around in your 20s, let's say, more or less. What type of, of advice would you give yourself having now the knowledge and wisdom that you have? Uh, first of all, I don't regret too much, but then I am, then if I go to back to my 20s now, what should uh, I should have done differently? But of course, uh, there are some, uh, you know, something that I, may, I, I regret. I can start, um, I got married very, very early age. I was 23 years old. It was one of the best decisions that I made, first of all. So it is. it was a right one because now uh, my son, he's almost 29 and he, he doesn't want to get married. Because again, the cultural thing, in, in, especially in my region, generally, uh, we want to get married early and, uh, uh, you know, uh, have family. And so... It was, I, I just, uh, I got married when I just graduated and I think it was not easy, of course, but I think it was one of the right decisions I made. And, um, but, uh, of course, I mean, um, family is very, very important in, in our culture and for everybody, of course. And so the spiritual happiness is more important than money. So I was very disciplined when I was in 20s, 30s. Maybe I was so stricter. I could have done more for, for fun to, to visit some other places with, with my, <laughs> my family. When I was doing my PhD in state, the, the kids were small. Maybe I could have uh, spent more time with them. But the, the big regret that I have is when I went uh, to States, uh, my wife, she was pregnant in Turkey. And uh, I, I didn't uh, bring her with me because of that. Uh, I am just going to a new country. I don't know that place. And so. And then uh, they, she and my daughter that she was born after uh, four months, I went to States. They come to States after uh, like it was more than one year. It was the one of the one of the always I remember and I, I regret I should have uh, brought her with me at the beginning when I was leaving when I was when I was when I was going to study for my master's and actually it it's always uh, I always think about it. So in in the bottom line is so uh, spiritual happiness is very very important. I was uh, professional. I am very very successful. I don't regret uh, generally when I was in twenties what I have decided and my my decisions, but again uh, maybe to spend more time with my with my family, not with my work, not my uh, PhD, my publications, with my kids, with my family to go some new places, more places. I did it, but maybe to to do it more, it was it was better. And if I go back now, if there is like time uh, machine, maybe I would have done this. Uh, as an uh, additional, you know, things. But in general, I don't regret what they've done. Thank you so much, uh, Habib. And I think, um, you know, your statements about spiritual happiness are a very good uh, closing statement. I think that what we try to achieve with leadership is exactly a little bit of that. It's I'm not saying that by listening to this podcast, someone would become spiritually more happy, but I hope that people listening to your story and to other stories will find inspiration and will maybe just think about it, right? Uh, maybe there is some listener who will think, am I really spending the time I would like to spend with my family? Is this something that I could regret 20 years from now? So I think if we can give some little inspiration by sharing 
um, our live stories. I'm sure that this will be very helpful. So thanks again so much for having been my guest today. I wish you all the best, in particular, a lot of, um, you know, health during this pandemic to you and your family. Um, and I hope to, you know, that our paths will cross again as they did in the past. Ah, thank you very much, Mirta, for this very good uh, program. And I likewise, I wish you all this, all the best and uh, good health. And uh, I am sure that it will be close. We will meet uh, someplace. And uh, again, uh, be safe and take care. Thank you very much. Thank you so much, Abib. Goodbye. Goodbye. I hope you liked this episode of Leadership in English. Don't forget to give us a thumbs up on your respective platform and subscribe to our podcast. See you soon.